When the world's fate hangs in the balance, who's Earth's best chance to save the day? A cab driver with a severe aversion to following the rules and a taste for trapping people in freezers? That seems like a good choice. Come see action guy Bruce Willis save the world again in The Fifth Element. It's fucking sick. Well done, Zach. Look, uh, welcome to the Tell Me You Got That podcast. My name's Hayden. I'm joined by Sam and Zach. We're here to give you our take on Fifth Element. In summarising Zach's amazing trailer, Corbin Dallas, a cab driver, tries to secure four mystical stones and a mysterious Fifth Element that alone can defeat a cosmic evil force during an apocalyptic war. Released on the 15th of May, 1997, directed by Luke Besson, starring Mila Jovovich, Chris Tucker, Bruce Willis, Gary Oldman, and Ian Holm. This movie made $263 million at the box office. It's one of my personal favourites, and really, really excited to be doing this one today. So, fellas, keen to get your initial reactions. Maybe start with Sam, because this was your first viewing. Yeah, it was. I... I found it interesting, definitely. I was surprised by kind of how many things they thought of and in terms of how life would change by that point in the future. I kind of felt like, not to be critical, but like the character development wasn't there. Like by the time at the end, Bruce Willis and Mila Jovovic are like making love uh, at the end and it kind of felt like, I don't know, that she's been alive for two days. <laughs> That's maybe a small weird point to fixate on, but I like the mise-en-scene, the colour schemes, the kind of very over-the-top nature of everything in the futuristic world. Very cool, very cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think she's been alive two days. But how would they replicate her memories from her DNA? They just do, don't they? Isn't that the... You just you just believe that? Isn't yeah. that the thing? I, I guess know. so. Because she, she has the memories. She knows to meet these people at the at the Floston and go get the stones and shit. Like, she knew that. Yeah. I wasn't sure if that was a memory or just, like, her DNA is written to make her instinctively want to go to the flotsam all the time somehow. I don't know. <laughs> You're right, they don't explain it. Zach, this was not your first time, so kind of going back and watching it for the first time in a while, does it hold up based on your expectations from... Yeah. Yeah? Uh, um, thanks for asking me a question because I was just going to pass here. I had nothing to add. <laughs> but I would say it holds up. Yeah, it's very quirky. Yeah, There's yeah. a lot of cool little details they put in. Hmm. That just make the the film enjoyable and never really boring. Mm. This is, I really like how they just weave in really weird like one liners. Like that seems the one liner like responses seem to be like when he's in his ha- his apartment and the police come and he has to put his hands on little circles. Mm. He goes, "I am a meat popsicle." <laughs> like it's just little quirky things like that. That you just I haven't seen that in a movie for a while, so yeah, yeah I really enjoyed that. And I did like um, like with that the hands on the circles. Everything felt. Although it was ridiculous in so many ways, a lot of it felt like, oh, that's actually kind of pretty logical. I can see that happening. I can see that being the way they do things, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the how his apartment opens up to the open outdoors and like ships can dock on it and serve him food directly mm-hmm. to his apartment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fresh. They should Uber Eats take note. Any other thoughts before we move on? Not one. Not nah, a single thought. Zero. I've never had a thought in my life either. Yeah. So a few before we get cracking, a few points of housekeeping. One, Zach, you're on Rodney Dangerfield duty. Uh, yes, sir. Introducing a new dynamic to this jam, already jam-packed podcast. We're introducing challenges. This time, I'm going to give Sam a challenge in the middle of a segment. Um, so hold on to your hats because this is going to be good. 
Tell me you got that. So the next segment we're doing is a famous one called Would You Rather. Let's start with Zach's Would You Rather. Take it away, Zach. All right. Get your pants on tight for this one. (laughs) Good choice. Okay, so who would you rather have with you in a fight? Baby Ray and two snooker balls. (laughs) Or the US president wielding his shoe as a weapon. (laughs) Or Rodney Dangerfield wearing a shirt with a chainmail collar. Who, who's Baby Ray? Oh man, did you watch the movie? I can't remember who Baby Ray is. He's the deaf guy, unless I've got that wrong. The deaf guy? The deaf, you watched the movie, I right? watched it last night. Goodness gracious. The deaf guy? The deaf guy. You know Baby Ray? I, I, didn't, prop, I didn't finish watching the movie last Fuck night. Fuck me, and he's the guy that rolls the two balls over. When he's like, oh, pass me the gun. I, I, like, knew, I didn't realise that guy was deaf. I just, I thought he spoke another language. No, he was like deaf. Oh. How, hang on. He's did like, you have to look him up to find out what his name was, or did you no, know him? I watched the movie. <laughs> Ruby Wright introduces him when they go into the opera first time, and then later Bruce Willis like asks him like, "Ray, chuck me those, chuck me the gun like two or three times." Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, and then he like throws him a two snooker balls. You guys ruined my whole. Would you rather? Don't worry about it. And I guess you don't remember the president killing the thing with his. Yeah, shoe. I remember right, that part. Okay. I was gonna say, why did he, he push the cockroach so close to him when they were clearly getting good audio already? Yeah, he was an idiot. Yeah. Well, I got another one. Don't worry. Would you rather have the ability to make someone choke on a cherry, <laughs> or the ability to be able to pass someone two snooker balls on command? <laughs> I think the cherry thing is pretty handy. Like, imagine, like, being at a Hitler rally and just being like, boop, and he's choking on a cherry. That's pretty good, right? That's pretty good use for that. As in, like, a current day one or back going back in time? No, going to Hitler, like, a German rally in 1939. So someone else has already given you the ability to time travel. Yeah, that's a separate... That's that's the much really overlooked bulk of the power. (laughs) Counterpoint, though. back in time, How about instead of cherrying his throat up how about you pass him two snooker balls <laughs> think about it and then he's like, rally, and then he drops him and he falls back and train of thought is yeah. just lost after that yeah, so the cheer- yeah, it'd be okay. kind of like a Sam what's your preference lamer Darth Vader but um, in the like pop, like putting a cherry in somebody's throat yeah. by command but yeah. that's how he did it that's yeah. how the choke really worked <laughs> he didn't close his throat he just put two cherries in there he just knew what everyone was anaphylactic to and was able to pop that in there. Yeah. Uh, I choose the cherry thing. It's pretty powerful. Yeah, That's an OP power. You guys are sleeping on the two balls thing, but that's okay. Good, good answers anyway. Tell me you got that. So now we're going to do secret prequels. So in this special edition, Zach, I'm going to ask you to leave the room. Oh. Get out of here. I explain the concept to the, our lovely audience. I'll be right back, folks. Okay, listeners, here's the, here's the thing. So in this sequel, prequel, Sam must organically work the phrase and that's when he looked down and realised his shoes are tied with licorice. Alright, I'm back. What I need to do, come up with the so, theme so, or the idea that you've given him, he has to weave it you in. You have to work out what I've asked him to weave in to his existing story. Alright, which may be easier than you think. <laughs> In a world that's been living as one, loving the United Nation for centuries, evil makes its return. Earth has been forever changed by the fifth element, and everyone gets along, but due to their abundance of ridiculous megacities, global warming has created weather issues. Namely, air currents have ceased to flow across the planet. So, when evil strikes again, they have earth, fire, water, and love, but they've got no wind. (laughs) No wind. Also, people have evolved in such a way that they speak telepathically and no longer have mouths. 
and their, digest- <laughs> their digestive systems are so efficient, they don't even pass gas. <laughs> They've been trying to activate the wind element stone but uh, in preparation for the great evil, but it's not responsive to artificially created wind. So they use DNA they have in storage to revive a human from long ago, possibly Corbin, the protagonist of the original movie, so that they can break wind. <laughs> it's never explained why he can't just blow on the stone, <laughs> like in the first one. It's just communally understood that he's got a fight on that stone. <laughs> and the, uh, t- the movie title could be The Fourth Element, colon, Fart Explosion. <laughs> okay. And so, yeah, at, at one point, like, they're just all kind of, you know, in the, in the room, preparing... <laughs> Coleman, they're all doing their own thing, and um, yeah, <laughs> they're, they're focusing on what at the task at hand. Nobody's getting distracted or anything. <laughs> Nobody, you know, looks down and realizes their like their shoes are tied together with licorice or whatever, anything like that. Nothing crazy. Nobody goes off on a tangent, fixates on anything like that. I don't know, blah blah blah. So, what, what's your thought? Yeah, that's okay. it. Okay. Did you figure out what I had to say? Was it organic? <laughs> I don't know. So, what's your answer? What did I ask him to weave in? Licorice shoelaces. <laughs> yeah. How, what was the giveaway? <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was the deal with the uh, licorice shoelaces? You were very perceptive right. there. <laughs> I, it was pretty seamless how you did weave that in there. Thank that you. was good. It wasn't like yeah. leave it to the last minute and it, you didn't take. You had, obviously, took your time and. Thank you. Yeah, that, it was really masterful. Yeah. Well done. Really buried the lead there. That's epic. Would you watch it? I think I'd prefer the original, but I would maybe skip through, watch like a minute every 10 minutes just to see, get the general gist of it. Yeah. How, does it how does it end though? Does he break wind? Does he save the world again? <laughs> he does, yeah. So essentially... <laughs> is it like a clean fart or is it a is it on the shart spectrum? Yeah, shart a little bit? Because that would be... That would be Earth as well. It though, goes yeah. there. It's... <laughs> But then that would maybe include Earth too, so we don't want to go like you know dabble yeah. in both fields. No, but um, that's no, no, no. Yeah. You're, you're probably, you may be alienating some percentage of the market if you don't include the shark. Yeah, some so people will be kind of hoping for that. Yeah, yeah. and the trailer might tease a shark, and yeah. people will be going primarily Actually, for you know that what? reason. If you do tease the shark in the trailer, it's fine if you leave it out of the final product. <laughs> that's true. But you if you show it in the movie, if you hint or you say the word shark, it's like Chekhov's gun. You have to have a shark by the end of the movie. Yeah, maybe you have alternative endings, and depending on which country you it. It's, it goes in. That's the so shark friendly countries. Countries yeah, exactly. get the shark yeah. ending. Yeah. Oh, I might I might whack out my uh, prequel idea. Uh, so mine is a de- is a prequel, um, and it's following Zorg, so the human villain's rise to corporate power. So he starts off as this kind of imp- impressionable kid trying to make it in the world with this idea around like these little miniature service robots which we see in the film which are mainly designed to service the homes of dis- of the disabled and the elderly so it's, he's, he's really this guy who's got really strong values but after a series of unfortunate events he's gradually turned into the corporate shill villain that we know in the movie and he certainly doesn't have a corporate social responsibility plan no way so, I was saying that as I was watching <laughs> There's a couple of key moments. So the first kind of key moment is that in his first pitch to investors, he's demonstrating his kind of early concept of the robots. And one of the robots gets hacked by one of the investors to show, look, look obviously security's no good. And it pulls his pants down. Um, and then across the road, or across the road, there's another building there and two big buildings. In the other building, the adjacent building, there's a preschool. And uh, <laughs> the class sees the whole thing and then he's added to the sex offenders, which just makes... <laughs> 
Starting a new business is very, very hard. Which, believe me, makes life pretty tricky. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, tell me. Uh, and the second kind of one that breaks the camel's back, and there's many in between, this is that a, a competitor sabotages one of his robots at a convention and it slices up his wife and puppy. Uh, <laughs> and, and there's a few other things, but that's one of the critical moments. And, and basically... So the classic origin story. It's a classic origin story. And so it kind of follows, and you kind of... It's kind of like the Joker almost. You start... You feel for the for the protagonist, for the, for the anti-hero, for the villain, and you understand where he's coming from, and you're almost cheering him on to get back at the world that's wronged him so bad. Wow. So that's, uh, that's yeah. my prequel idea. That could be great. <clears throat> Do you have a sequel or prequel? Oh, I've got a prequel. It's very similar to, to yours, Hayden. Alright. It's a Zorg prequel. Oh, shit. About his so. rise to prosperity. Great minds. <laughs> oh, man. Well, let's just cut it. Because um, it can't be as good as this one. It's not. It's very bare bones. It, it just says, basically, Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> <laughs> but I did add... We also meet like also the backstory of that weird creature pet that he has in his office oh, yeah, that yeah. watches it's him like choke a half to death. Right? Yeah, and he gets the cherry spat on it at the mm-hmm. end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he's when saved, that's pretty good. <laughs> so the backstory <laughs> the movie. was that he was back when Zorg was an up and coming businessman. Uh, they were like best friends, and that creature thing was a lot more active and intelligent than it seems now. But with wealth and prosperity, it kind of it, it hit this creature hard and it just declined and became kind of like nothing and lost all its capacity to think and, and move even and do things wow. back in the day when they were coming through together they were both super rich good business people was this thing human Creatures. before or was it just <laughs> no it was the, it was the same thing but a lot more in shape it does look like it's happy though it's kind of smiling yeah. but uh, it's like it, it was happy because it was bliss type thing. it's yeah. right I had no idea about anything that's why it was happy by the looks of it. But anyway, back in the day when it was smart and making lots of, lots of money and Zorg was partying all the time, one time he ODs on some party drugs and the little the little creature thing saved Zorg's life. That's why he has a permanent spot for the creature in, in his office. And he look, he takes that he takes kindly to that sort of thing when people save his life. He's like, yep, you're going to lose your mind one day, little creature, but don't worry, you can live in my office forever. That's the, that's the backstory. That's beautiful. The whole movie is about their friendship and making millions. And did the makers of that movie just anticipate that everyone will know that that cre- that about that creature and it'll be fresh in everyone's mind and that the viewers are demanding this? They, well, they it, want a prequel. Well, anyone who's watched Fifth Element like with half an eye open will that would be one of the their favorite oh, moments, yeah. Yeah. one of the highlights <laughs> of the film. That's how I watch all my movies. <laughs> Um, I, I'm also sort of imagining like a Disney 10 seasons in a movie type scenario mm. with this character. Mm. I feel like it's really got a lot of marketability. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's got legs for it something that has it, no legs. The filth element could have been just about that little fella. Yeah. 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 I wanted to know more. I feel like, yeah, it was kind of the iceberg situation. Um, it felt like it had a rich deep tapestry of a backstory. Oh, I'm going to call it. All right, <laughs> this is where, the, where patience of audiences runs pretty thin. I'm calling it. Alright, next segment Alternative elements So we're going to come up with alternatives For what the five elements actually are uh, What they could be um, Or alternatively what the Fifth element was in the context Of the five elements So Sam, do you want to take, kick us off? Sure, okay, so mine was Bitter, sweet, salty, sour And umami And umami is the fifth element So they're in the they're at the final part and they're trying to activate the stones. They don't really feel like understand how to. 
And then one guy just mumbles under his breath, like really angry, like, oh, this sucks, we're gonna die. And then the stone starts to open up a bit and starts to like present its charge. And then it's like, oh, what, what, what would I do? And they gather around like, oh, you were bitter. You were really bitter in front of it. And they're like, oh, wow, okay, go to the other stones. And so they all uh, scatter. And then one guy, uh, you know, just kind of wipes his tears and sweat all over one of them. The salt from this, that, that activates it. Mm. Another guy goes up to one of the stones and says, oh, I love this stone. I love it. And then he starts saying, oh, you know what? I don't really like this stone that much anymore. And sours to it. And then it activates. <laughs> And then another guy just kind of goes up to one, pats it gently and whispers sweet nothings to it. And is really sweet to it, activates it. In a twist on what happens in the actual movie, Bruce Willis always carries around cigarettes. You see him um, have cigarettes every now and again. Um, and it's his last match in the matchbox that he uses to light the fire and save the day. Uh, but in this one, he's just seen eating tomatoes all the time, just <laughs> chomping out down tomatoes in this one. And at the end... He whips out like a box from his um, from his uh, pocket, opens up, and there's one last slice of uh, tomato there, which he just squeezes over the top of the last stone, activates it, saves the day. That was very creative, and I feel like it took a group of different things that are important to come together, mm-hmm. and so it made sense. It makes much more sense than mine, so yep. um, you put mine to shame, we'll find out about that a bit later. <laughs> Zachary. All right, so mine is pretty straight, pretty simple. Four naked men doing a handstand. <laughs> so that's that's the four elements, and Lilu is still the fifth element. So they all they all have to time their handstands like correctly, so that they're all upright on their hands at roughly at the same time. Otherwise, it doesn't activate. Yeah, this could be like a ten minute. <laughs> this could be a ten minute scene of them all like going up and down trying to get their handstands, but they're all really bad at it. So they can never time up. They can never like align them all at the same time. Yeah. So and then Lilu is just sitting there really frustrated because you know the world's about to end because these guys can't do handstands. So is it four? Four of the elements are each individually a naked man doing a handstand, and then the fifth one is still just love. It's no. It's just like there's no love. It's just Lilu. She's just it's just her. She can doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Four. Right. You know what? It says here four naked men doing a handstand. So a various shaft length and diameter. Yeah, this, this yeah, that doesn't matter. You just yeah, okay. you just can't have clothes on. It gets in the way somehow. Yeah, okay. Alright, so I was thinking, you know, probably but when this movie came out, it wasn't such a big problem, but nowadays the sky beam that saves the world or destroys the world is a pretty common kind of like end boss, right? And so I was like, well what could it be instead of a sky beam? And then how could I intertwine it with Five elements. So I thought, well, what could it be? It could be some kind of like organic, like spike instead. I was like, well, what has spikes? So the, my five elements are porcupine, hedgehog, echidna, pufferfish, and spiny mouse. And together they form a big quill, a hundred, a thousand kilometer quill that pops uh, the evil planet guy like a balloon and save the day. That is was his one weakness. Is That's... a spiny mouse a thing? Or did you yeah, it? Google it, spiny mouse. Oh, okay. So this big ball of energy is, you know, impervious to the biggest explosive devices that Earth has to offer, but uh, gets popped. Yeah, like those a... are manufactured. Uh... Uh, this is organic. So they could have just attached like a single, I don't know, human fingernail to the end of one of the missiles like, and it would just pierce it. If you had a, f- a yeah. thousand kilometer uh, human fingernail, sure. Okay. If you think that's like... You know, but the whole thing. Had, but he, they say I'm saying attach it to a projectile. Yeah, so it's just the so that the first thing that touches yeah, yeah. it is it's like a sharp. No. Do you need penetration? The issue is that that's too small. But somehow the spines of these minuscule creatures are enough to. Oh, but the combined power of these five um, quill-based animals yeah. 
join together to create this thousand kilometer. Oh, I see, I see. Okay. And it's established very early on that <laughs> that, that these are special varieties of these porcupines and echidnas and, so what, they, and what have you. Do they kind of really ruin the end of the film by kind of like establishing this weird law that you need to know at the end? So oh no, can... it's it's woven in so that <laughs> instead of like just finding all the stones here, they actually have to go to different parts of the world to find these. Um, these animals oh, okay and they're like crawling around the whole time and yeah yeah it's really hard to get them to line up because they're all you know animals yeah yeah and they're spiky some of them may be each other's predators and yeah it might be very they're good. not no they're all equally on the future except for the spiny mouse that guy's gonna get crushed he needed extra protection from uh, Lilu. tell me you got that time for Sam's would you rather hit us here are the two options first one is uh, every time you ever hear music, it sounds like Chris Tucker's character doing the zzzz sound that he does when he's kind of trying to shush somebody in the movie. So that's all you hear. Or for the rest of your life, you have to have the phallic-shaped hairdo that he has um, at first in the movie. Wait, so music's ruined. Music is ruined for you forever with I, the first option. Oh, I take the hairstyle. Any and hair. hairstyle forever as well. Hairstyle forever. Well, you yeah. see, no matter how much you brush your style, it you cannot sport, accessorize you it. it. You like, cannot dye it. It's like stone. Oh yeah, yeah. I take that. I need. Can one. you wear a hat? Nope. You have to <laughs> expose hats, it fully. Hats bounce right off. Yep. So you're There's always spring under it. <clears throat> nah, I need my. I need my. I need to have my music. Yeah. And yeah. you need to wear the exact outfit that he's wearing all the time. But you can't just add that on now. I did, just did, sucker. I mean, it's not a bad outfit. It's not a great outfit. I still, I gotta take it. Okay. Even though you changed the rules after I'd already answered. Nah, I'm gonna have to forego music, I think. I think it's gonna affect too many elements of my life looking like that. More than five? Yeah. Come yeah. on! Tell me you got that. Okay. Next segment is uh, Recovery Chamber of Secrets. So you may remember at the end of the movie, there's a special tender moment that Lilu and Corbin share in the recovery tank. It's our job to propose an alternative thing that could be found in the recovery chamber that kind of gives that kind of reaction where he's like, oh, and like kind of covers the chamber. This is my uh, alternative things. A couple of things. Corbin and Lilo are in there still, but Corbin takes off his face, which is actually a mask, and it turns out that Zorg is underneath. But then Lilo takes off her mask, and it's actually um, Father Cornelius. And, and they look at each other, and then they keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so even though Zorg died, he's still in there? Yeah, well, that's a big reveal. Yeah. Oh, we don't, <laughs> but it doesn't explain how he survived or anything? No. Yeah. No, it's kind of hinting at a sequel. Like, okay. oh, still, okay, even so though right. the evil planetary body's gone, Zorg's still around to fuck shit up. Alright, so mine is. That's why I still had to cut you. There's a there's a little leprechaun in there, having having a little break from it all. That's <laughs> like, that. is he kind of like just hunched over, like just like tired, like he's been oh, he's around. exhausted, yeah. and he's smoking a pipe too. I just yeah, okay. decided. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and he's got that hat on. Leprechaun hat. Yeah. Classic leprechaun hat. Yeah, okay. I can see that. Sam, what do you got? So the original is them making love. The uh, one alternative is that he and Lilu, Corbin and Lilu, are in the middle of a Mario Kart tournament, but they're on the final race. They're about to finish it, so he's like, okay, they're going to need five more minutes. <laughs> and uh, one more is there's just a, kind of like, it's an expansive space in there, but way off in the distance in the corner, there's just some guy, <laughs> some, some guy on the toilet who just needs a bit more time. <laughs> 
worse than I expected. <laughs> Tell me you got that. The next segment is called Missed Panotunity. Uh, we will each propose a point in the film where a character has missed out on delivering a badass slash hilarious or just perfectly timed pun. We should note that this segment doesn't have to strictly be puns. It can also be badass lines that characters missed out on or just a continuation that we like or prefer. Who wants to go first? Well, mine was just a very simple one. Um, there's a moment where Zorg is choking on a cherry and the priest waits for a little while and lets him choke for a bit and then pats him on the back to pop it out then after that he says was it good for you and then Zorg goes what do you mean when I popped your cherry <laughs> Zach what do you got so after he murders those three military people in his freezer but then who are better at the end of the movie Corbin this is somehow yeah Corbin just traps him in his freezer takes the mission and then leaves him in there yeah, that's fucked I don't know how that never comes up but so in the movie he, t- he says something like I'll, I'll accept that mission or I'll yeah. take the mission or yeah. whatever. So he goes, I've been thinking it over. This mission would be cool. <laughs> I got um, another one. All right. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> they're all ice related. Uh, yeah, in the movie when they are, they escape the, the massive ship they're on, there's Ruby Rod and Colton Dallas in the, in the little uh, escape vehicle or whatever it is. And Ruby says, Call my man, you know how to fly this thing, right? And then Corbin says, just like driving a cab. And then he starts the meter and says, you're going to need to give me $50 up front because this time of night, you're a flight risk. That's that. Uh, mine's barely a pun. Um, you be the judge. Um, so it's it's based around the scene where Vito Cornelius and, and Zorg are having that tense kind of confrontation in Zorg's office. And in the original, he says you're a monster and Zorg says I know but in this version Vito says you're a monster and Zorg says I know and then he takes a um, cartoon basketball and then slam dunks it into a basketball ring a la Space Jam (laughs) (laughs) okay tell me you got that would you rather it's Hayden's opportunity would you rather imagine you had a job to delegate to someone in this instance, it's painting a chicken coop. Who would you rather hire? Aziz, the little kid that yeah, falls asleep when he's trying to give the, the light guy, guy the light guy, you know? Or the guy who tries to rob Bruce Willis at the start with the little hat that's got the photograph of the hallway mm-hmm. uh, and couldn't turn the safety off his gun. Oof, that's Paint a tough one. chicken coop. Yeah. Mm. Age-old dilemma here. Yeah. Well, Aziz, as we see from the film, was liable to falling asleep all the time. But I mean, in the end, he did get there. He like he always like when he was when you say his name, he gets back to work. The guy who tried to rob Corbin uh, might just end up stealing all your chickens and fleeing. So I'd probably go with Aziz the kid. I think it's the safe bet. Yeah, I have to go with Aziz too. But I don't think he falls asleep normally. He's just overworked by that one guy, that old guy. There's a director's cut that goes deep into the backstory of his years and he talks about how he's got narcolepsy yeah. that's his thing no but I reckon if you allow the, the Aziz to work fair hours he's going to do a good yeah. job yeah just get him on when he's rested don't put him on all day duty like he just seems like on. a chronic night owl to me I, that's that was the vibes I got from him yeah. animal. and I think that tweaker I think if he uh, was in charge he would not only steal your chickens he would bungle the whole paint operation yeah. too he'd 
Although he did have a lot of ingenuity to put a exact replica photo of the hallway on his face to uh, fool the camera, so I mean, he might come up with some that sort of that was a nifty yeah, trick. Doesn't thinking doesn't yeah. really make sense that he can do something that elaborate, but also can't turn the safety off his on feeling his gun. That's true. I don't. This this character is a real. I mean, really, he's just conundrum. taking a photo yeah. of the like the perspective of the like looking port. So it's, it's not that elaborate. It's pretty clever. That was my favourite part of the movie. Give that guy some credit. Tell me you got that. The next segment is called Eagle Eye Shire LaBeouf Round. So as the reigning champ, I've come up with a handful of trivia questions and Zach and Sam are going to try and win the title of Trivia King. These are fucking hard questions, so good luck. <laughs> Thank you. Ready to go, ready to go, ready to go. What year was the movie set? They don't explicitly say it out. They do give you an equation to work it out. Oh, really? Oh, man. All right, what do we got? That's my answer. Okay, so Sam's gone 2,300. Zach's gone 2,046. It's actually... Uh, 2215 and the way they work it out is that at the start of the movie when the aliens first visit it's 1915 yeah um, and then it's 300 years later that's right I wasn't told there'd be maths on this (laughs) how hot and cold was the evil planet when they first detected it they're saying the senses were going wild and there was uh, an amount of hot and an amount of cold alright Sam's got minus 15 plus 800 and Zach has minus 200,000 and uh, plus 1 million and it's actually um, 1 million degrees and minus 5,000 so oh. no, no other have you got it right but I you, got, oh, you got a million so you get a half a point you get a half a point that's exactly right yeah sorry um, well, it's my. I can choose whether you get zero points, but oh, yeah, half no, points yeah. fair. No, you have to give me half. Uh, what's the name? So we're talking about the 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 guy the guy that tries to rob Corbin at the start. So that the, the tweaker. What's the name of the, the gun. gun that he has? Oh, fuck. Okay, so Sam has 69, 69, 69, 69, and Zach has the Kirschmeister 7000. It's the 2140. Close. So, no Wait, points. Was that it? I thought they had a, like a word as well. It know? might have, but they... I, oh, I you take that note. So, yeah. that's not the name of the gun at all. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's 2140. But it had like a word too. I don't think so. I thought. No, I'm pretty sure it's not. All right. Look it up. Um, no, I'm good. Fuck me later. But don't <laughs> Google that with tomatoes and... Quill mouse. At least 69. Yeah, turn the safe search on. <laughs> um, now, how many points does Corbin have left on his license? Um, At before, what stage? Before he crashes his car. Oh. He has five. Right before he crashes? Before he, has he crashes, one. he has five. And Wait, then he, at what crash? And then he crashes and he's got one. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, That's what happens. No, no, no. Yeah, how do you think he gets one? Before, at the last use of his car, he has one left. Yeah, but before his crash. So before Lilu crashes into his car. So probably should have gone in. You should have asked these questions before showing me your answer. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, so he had five and then it goes to one. I knew that. Yeah. So that's uh, one and a half points to Zach. Okay. And that was, that was the question. So Zach is our new champion. Well done, Zach. So... We're going to take a little... (laughs) (laughs) This is some good Rodney Dangerfield duty right here. 
Uh, we're gonna take a short break. Tell me you got that. My favorite moment in the movie is when the tweaker says, take it, I don't need it. And then also... It is a little dance. It is like a little jig after yeah. that as well. I love that. Also, when Corbin Dallas says, you know, nice hat, or like your hat, or whatever he says, and he says, you like it. <laughs> Eight out of ten. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, that's solid. My favorite moment was when Diva was singing on stage and it went from like operatic to uh, kind of pop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, least favorite moment was how everyone kept on saying she's perfect. That was super creepy. Yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. and like yeah, just, that was yeah. Yeah, they this saw her for like a good. split second. They're like, oh yeah, I can see why they say she's perfect. Yeah, it's a bit creepy. Yeah, imagine being the actor just be gross. Yeah, because she was I think um, like twenty yeah. at the time. Yeah, and <laughs> rating I probably give it actually maybe like six out of ten. I wasn't overall the biggest fan. I kind of was, I, I don't know, I was expecting more to happen throughout. It felt like a lot of setup. Yeah. And then. Mm. Yeah, the payoff's not great. It's just Skyline. Really. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it was I, definitely interesting. I think a lot of reason for my high rating is that it's nostalgic. Yeah. There's probably too much in there. Mm. Yeah. I find it hard to have nostalgia with it because I saw it for the first time. Yeah, you shouldn't ago. have nostalgia. That would be weird. That would, yeah. be, that would be an amazing accomplishment to have nostalgia. Yeah. Like, there would be journal articles written about you. You'd have to have gone through a lot in the past 24 hours for that to feel like enough time to for nostalgia oh, yeah. And uh, My favourite moments of the movie, probably just the lines that I quote like every day. Like when something goes wrong, I'll go, please help. Like all the time. <laughs> I really do. And the other thing is whenever I turn the lights off, not whenever, but often when I turn the light on, I go... Aziz light and he puts the light on and it's, that's a very satisfactory uh, oh wow how about multipass I multipass yeah multi-pass. I'm a fan of that yeah. and I, I've noticed that you you have kind of an OCD thing to it so you have to say by the end of the day I've been with you like when it's been approaching midnight and then you just start rattling off all the ones you haven't managed yeah, to say yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would give it an 8 out of 10 but I think that's again informed by nostalgia it's, yeah, if, that, you, if you critically analyse the movie you, mm. it's not going to stack up to another 8 out of 10 yes. probably not nostalgia shouldn't be discounted it's a valid criteria without further ado the uh, next movie we're going to review is The Northman so if you're not familiar with this Prince Almleth is on the verge of becoming a man when his father is brutally murdered by his uncle, who kidnaps the boy's mother. Two decades later, Almleth is now a Viking who raids Slavic villages. He soon meets a seeress who reminds him of his vow to save his mother, kill his uncle, and avenge his father. So this was released in April 2022 in Australia, directed by Robert Eggers. It's already made $68.9 million at the box office. So, that's what we're reviewing next. I'm excited. You boys are excited? Oh, yeah. It sounds like a oh. playful rom-com. I'm excited to jump in. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. <laughs> On that note, thanks for listening to the Tell Me You Got That podcast. I've been Hayden. I've been Zach. I've been Sam. And uh, we've been... We've been... Tell Me You Got, got That podcast. The movie. We know the name of the podcast. See you next time. Love you. (laughs) Love you. Tell me you got that.